Hello and welcome to episode 43 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pina. And we're here to talk to you about the latest and sometimes not so greatest in movies, music, television, and all things media, really. We'll get right to it. Stop me if you've heard this before, but Wes Anderson's newest project has added a number of actors to its cast, including uh, Brian... I'm stopping you. Oh, I've heard this. Oh, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> Uh, including Brian Cranston, Jeffrey Wright, Hope Davis, and Leah Schreiber. That is, in addition to Margot Robbie, uh, uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Every and, week we uh, say Tom Hanks. Scarlett Johansson, I think, was one of the weeks. I don't know. It, it's... A lot of people did. The A lot of the regulars as well. The fucking, whatever, uh, Wilson brother, I think, is always in them. Oh, and, well, actually, I think both have been in multiple like, sure. I, I think Luke was in like Royal Tenenbaums, and then Owen was also in that. I don't. I don't remember. I don't know. I think both. One Wilson has a mole. Ones. That one. I think that's Luke Wilson. Who the dark hair one? Yeah, that's with the Luke. Big mole. Yeah, I, you know. Now that you say that, I can't picture if there's actually a mole on that man's face. What are you talking about? I, I mean, huge. you know, it, it's. I don't know. Now that now that you say that, are you sure it's not just a part of a character? He had a mole on his oh, face. Oh, maybe it's a character. <laughs> I don't see a mole on his face. Boom. All right. Uh, moving on to some more casting news. Brandon Ruth, Brandon Routh, I actually don't know how to pronounce his last name, who played Superman in Superman Returns, has been cast as the lead character in the new Magic the Gathering Netflix animated show. He will be playing a character named Gideon. Uh, I don't know if Magic the Gathering has an accepted lore with a main protagonist, but Gideon they, is the character they... he will play. They have, um, they do have a lore, and Gideon is a person in that lore. I don't know if it's the same Gideon or a different Gideon, but assumingly, yeah. I would assume it's, it's the same Gideon. Well, it's going to be voiced by Brandon Routh. And He's pretty cool. He's got like a samurai armory, long hair kind of vibe. I think he's like a swordsman of sorts, and of he's course. like a lone rangery type. So Classic protagonist, Strider, Aragorn style. Yep, yep. And actually, you know, I have this categorized under actually, something else. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Real quick. I don't know that it's swords. It's like a weird, like, Wolverine-style claw thing, but it's also like a whip. Like, it goes limp and can, like, fsh. Oh, like uh, Ivy's whip from Soul Calibur. Maybe. You would know it, but it's exactly what you're saying. But, anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have this categorized under something else, but speaking of Magic the Gathering Netflix show, it has recently lost the Russo brothers as its creative force and producers. Uh, they cited creative directions were different, and Netflix had a different idea. You know how it goes. They're not a part of it anymore. Moving on to some new TV and movie announcements, Collider reports that Black Canary is getting her own solo movie at HBO Max. Journey Smollett will repri reprise her role as Dinah Lance, who uh, I think she's featured in that Harley Quinn movie, whatever the title of that Harley Quinn movie was. Birds of Prey? Yeah, was that was it called Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey? Because I remember no, like the original... it was just called Birds of Prey, I think. I don't think there was Harley Quinn in it at all. Really? I mean, sure. she's just so, like, so center... Okay, it was Birds of Prey and then subtitled Harley Quinn, but... Gotcha. I, I, it was marketed only as Birds of Prey. Okay, well, she is getting her own original movie, courtesy of HBO Max, and Misha Green, who created uh, Lovecraft Country and had that Apple contract we just talked about. So, I again, I don't understand how these production contracts work. Like, 
we can get Misha Green on a contract, but she can still go write a Black Canary movie for Warner Bros. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. These don't. These aren't real. They don't exist. The, yeah, not real. All right, confirmed. Moving on to some more HBO news. HBO has announced a new show called Rap Shit. It'll be written by Issa Rae, and it follows two estranged high school friends from Miami who reunite to form a rap group. Issa Rae will not be starring in it like she did the Insecure show, but she will be writing it. So, you know, excited. I think there's a lot of potential for that, especially a rap group. I mean, you can look at uh, Dave or Atlanta, for examples of good shows about rap, you know, uh, or rap-centric plots. So, uh, yeah, new HBO show called Rap Shit. Moving on, Christian Bale is set to produce and star as convicted preacher John Lee Bishop in a movie called The Church of Living Dangerously. Uh, John Lee Bishop was a preacher from Oregon who became wealthy for sermons, yada yada, lost it all to drug addiction and drug smuggling for a Mexican cartel. You know, normal Classic preacher. Christian stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Behind closed doors. Okay, all right. right. <laughs> they're, they're all it's, smuggling. It's missing, I'll say it's missing a little bit of pedophilia for my liking, but you know. It's a it's a preacher, not a priest, John. Come on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Get it right. sorry. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, the different sects of Christians really confuse the shit you out of should, me. Come on, come on. And moving on to a new biopic has been announced because we haven't gotten plenty of those the last few years. Uh, Gene Roddenberry, or a biopic about Gene Roddenberry, is being produced by Roddenberry Productions, which is led by his son and I think whoever else is in charge of that estate. It's a classic Bohemian Rhapsody where it's just uh, Queen's estate just making a movie about themselves. Does Rob- anyone know who Gene Roddenberry is off the top of their head? I would hope that people knew the creator of Star Trek is Gene Roddenberry. Okay, well, okay, if you didn't know, like, John, he is the creator of Star Trek. Uh, he, I think he created Next Generation, but he didn't, like, write at all. He had the ideas for pretty much everything Star Trek for... 20 or 30 years up until he died. And then he obviously wasn't a part of the series after that, but, uh, loser and a nerd. Wow. I I mean, I don't think that's true, but okay. Uh, (laughs) moving on to a new comedy called me time. It'll star Kevin Hart and Mark Wahlberg. It follows a stay at home dad played by Kevin Hart who finds himself up Asian people. Is that what that was? No, that's Mark Wahlberg. That is not Kevin (laughs) Hart. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Who finds himself with some me time for the first time in years and reconnects with his former best friend, who is played by Mark Wahlberg, for a wild weekend, etc. Of beating up Asian people. (laughs) Again, that was just Mark Wahlberg. That was just Marky Mark in real life, okay? Uh, (laughs) He would never act that way, but he would behave that way. It's totally different. Exactly. It's, it's, he tried to get it expunged from his permanent record that it didn't work out for him. You know, Wahlburgers. Classic. You love the show. Yeah. You know, I love the restaurant. I love the restaurant. Yeah, it's worth it. All right. Uh, moving on. Jake Gyllenhaal has signed on to, signed on to star and produce on a film adaptation of Oblivion Song which is a graphic novel that was co-written by Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman. It's about uh, a man who goes through an interdimensional portal to save stranded survivors from an incident that wiped out half of Philadelphia. Uh, It's a really cool plot. I never actually got into the series or the graphic novel or whatnot. But, uh, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal in a movie about interdimensional portals, like, I don't know, source code is right. Like, I'll take it. I'm never going to complain when he's added to a cast, especially as a main character. I mean, he's not bad. He's not bad. 
All right, back to some HBO news. HBO has landed Full Circle, a limited series from Steven Soderbergh and writer Ed Solomon, who wrote Now You See Me, Bill and Ted 3, and No Sudden Move, which is the recent Soderbergh movie. It is about a kidnapping gone awry. There is nothing else about it. That's literally all I got from the article. So, uh, I don't know. Steven Soderbergh, right? Like, I'll take it, honestly. I, I, I still need to watch No Sudden Move, but... Uh, you know. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Well, I mean, have you watched Bill and Ted Face the Music? No, I haven't, but, like, that's not Soderbergh, so... <laughs> it is, though, that's the thing. No. Oh, no, it's Ed Solomon, that's yeah. right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I I, I I, don't doubt that Bill and Ted 3 are, or is somewhat enjoyable or not, but... Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I do. Okay, well, that's not going to make me decide whether I'm going to not watch this next movie moving on to some reports that Lakeith Stanfield will star in an executive produce of an adaptation of the Victor Lavelle novel. The changeling uh, has been ordered oh. straight to series by Apple. I do not know this book series and I'm actually kind of just forgot to write down the synopsis. So uh, if you know this book series, Lakeith Stanfield's going to be the main character. I'm not sure. Can we get, can we get the intern to look up a uh, plot for that or? Oh, I'm having to work hard on it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, uh, I assume the Google search is going to get you that 2002 t- Changeling movie or whatever. Yeah, and the 1980 Changeling movie. But yeah. the Victor Laval book is a one man's thrilling journey through an enchanted world to find his wife who disappeared after seemingly committing an unforgivable act of violence. Okay. All right. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, crime thriller, I assume. Some mm-hmm. sort of some sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, all right, moving on to some reboot and sequel news. Beverly Hills Cop 4 has finally started production. Finally, dude. We've all been waiting around. We've all been waiting. To be fair, this has been announced for the last six years, but uh, it hasn't really, you know, started being uh, made. When's when's that next Game of Thrones book coming out? That book? Uh, You know, like next year. You know, he's he's ready next year. (laughs) Exactly. Well, Talk about waiting six years. Well, Beverly Hills Cop 4 has started production, and it will be a Netflix original, which was not the case when it was first announced. Uh, it's not really a surprise that Netflix would go after this, but, I mean, kind of, like a fourth one. Netflix is usually all about the original stuff or the or the reboot, you know? I It's kind of weird that they'd get the fourth in a movie and a uh, quadrilogy. But, uh, yeah, moving on. It's a word, okay? Alien coined it. I saw the Blu-ray collection. It was called the Alien Quadrilogy. I believe you. Uh, moving on, talking about Misha Green again. She is attached to write and possibly direct the Tomb Raider 2, uh, which is a sequel to Lara Croft Tomb Raider, which came out four years ago starring uh, Alicia Vikander. If it uh, doesn't have Angelina Jolie, I don't want to watch it. The first one is... Okay, the first one... Sorry, this first reboot was way better than the Jolie movies. I'll tell you that straight up. Uh, way better. Because it was a- actually a serviceable action-adventure, whereas the Jolie movies were just corny, cheesy, almost sci-fi movies, which was kind of weird. But she looked like Lara Croft. That was the important part. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but Alicia Vikander looks like the reboot Lara Croft, kind of. Kind of. If she, if they actually committed to the bangs, which they don't, uh, she would look more like it, but they, they pull her hair back, so... Yeah, you know, whatever. It's an aesthetic choice. 
And moving on to renews and cancellations, only one bit of news here. Ray Donovan, the popular Showtime show starring Liev Schreiber, will get a movie to cap off the series that comes out early next year. So the thing about this is that Ray Donovan was canceled back in April. Like just canceled, straight up canceled. And now we're getting a movie to cap off the series instead of a new season. And didn't I call this like two or three months ago where I said shows would start canceling things and just put movies out? Like when I kind of like the, that uh, idea, though. Uh, it gets some closure. HBO Max uh, talked about Venture Bros movie. I think that's when I was saying yep. that. Yeah, that, yep. like <laughs> Showtime is literally taking a, a page from HBO's book because... They did Deadwood that way, too. They did, like, a revival movie ten years later or some shit. Uh, well, I don't know if that's... It might, that it might not concept. be exactly the same. Oh, and, a, and IP dies, and then you know, we'll wait a few that years might for not the hype to come back. <laughs> yeah. but, but still, I, I would expect to see this kind of situation happen a lot more. Uh, you know, it, it might have been what happened with Community if that had stayed on air or, you know, if a production company was going to touch that. But, uh, you know, too bad. Moving on to some last group of news. Disney has confirmed that Black Widow has now earned over $125 million just from Disney Premier Access. Uh, so for quick uh, math from our intern, that's uh, 4.2 million people buying that. 4.2 million households paid $30 to watch that movie. That's insanity. Go fuck, that Go fuck all 4,200,000 of you stupid fucks. And didn't they hit, what, 75 million or 80 million subscribers earlier this year? Wasn't that yeah. the number? So, Well, okay, do you recall, think way back, episode three, episode four, mm-hmm. when we were first discussing the death of theaters for the first time in this whole show's arc, we were discussing streaming numbers and disney plus had like just come out and there were like projected figures and in the first yep. like month or two they had already gone way past what they were projecting yep do you recall what the like 365 day uh timeline was about what their metrics were predicted i could have sworn they want to hit 50 million by the end of this year and then they right. hit like 60 million 80. a week yeah. after. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, is 80 impressive or is it a slowdown? I can't tell at this point. Like, I need to see it plotted over time. For sure. But I just, I really wanted to round out the fact that, what is that? If they have 80 subscribers, that's 5% of like all their subscribers bought a movie for $30. You know how crazy that is? I, I think. You know, I, I mean, most promotions have like a 1% participation. So when you have uh, over 5% and you're making $125 million and not sharing that with star Scarlett Johansson, uh, <laughs> it's it's crazy to me that, uh, I don't know, that this well, these think, many households. You think 5% of viewers buying a movie is crazy? Oh, yeah. I think that's really good. Yeah, I think that's good. Oh. I, like, I think if Netflix, I had no thoughts. I think if Netflix really did that, it'd be less than 5%. If I had to yeah, guess. but I don't know. I guess Netflix Netflix seems like basic cable at this point. For sure, yeah. And for basic cable to give you extra charges, you'd be pissed. Right. You'd be like, what the fuck is that? But if you like if you have HBO, you know, in a bundle package and you watch extra sports or whatever and they go, Oh well, you know, we upped it by an extra three bucks or like or like pay per view. It's like pay per view. Disney Plus is just pay per view. So yeah. 
you're like, oh, the big fight's on. Like, I don't mind paying 20 bucks the big Saturday night fight. It only comes around once every fucking month, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, I, I just I just think it's crazy. $125 million and then, and then not willing to share that with your main star whatever uh disney i mean that part's ridiculous not the the five percent doesn't seem crazy but the not paying scarlett johansson seems crazy yeah uh disney does what disney do okay uh earlier this week we got a first look at netflix's live action cowboy bebop uh adaptation it uh i i you know i don't want to judge anything off photos it, it looks like it's serviceable but uh, i don't know man i got a bad feeling about this so uh... i say this yeah. I no longer hear the phrase "I have a bad feeling about this" without seeing Star Robert Downey Jr. in blackface. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tropic Thunder. Yeah. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> I I just think Obi Wan Kenobi, but okay, <laughs> go with Tropic Thunder. <laughs> it's a great movie, dude. I, if, hey, you I'm not that front, if you can't recite that front to back and see Tom Cruise in a fat suit, I was gonna say Tom Cruise playing Leslie. What's his face was one of the best roles he's ever had. Just period. I think it might be the best. It might be the best. Top five for sure. <laughs> like, and it's, I, it's, no it's, it's Les Grossman. Oh, Les Grossman. I thought it was Leslie Grossman. My bad. Totally I mean, my bad. Maybe full name Leslie, but. Oh, you know, if you watch the uh, behind the scenes, his character is actually <laughs> to be Leslie. You know, in the behind the scenes, the like, DVD so commentary. He, yeah, well, because yeah, they talk about it like as a meme, like a line in the movie, like "Oh, I don't drop character off the DVD commentary." Robert Downey Jr. remains Australian in the DVD commentary because he doesn't drop character until. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like, I, I, I've yet to actually uh, watch that all the way through, but I've seen clips of it. It seems funny. Like I don't think, yeah, I don't think they got him for the whole movie to do that, but it seems like they've got a few minutes of him pulling off the character, which, uh, yeah. That's and good. moving on to our last piece of news, which is an update from last week, maybe two weeks ago. Mike Richards has been fired from Jeopardy. Uh, he is not going to be the host anymore due to some past situations where he might have made some jokes and used some misogynistic terms for things canceled <laughs> he got big canceled uh i don't know if he got technically fired or he resigned but he got fired uh Mian balik will temporarily host uh normal shows of jeopardy for the next few weeks until they find a replacement but uh yeah it's let's just hope they don't get another boring white man who has some troubled history of using slurs you know now <laughs> like... this the the woman uh from Big Bang, yes. whose name I don't want to butcher. Um, she was the one who was supposed to do the spinoff shows and the yes. other things, right? Okay. Yeah, that. Yeah, she was the co-host, or they called it a co-host, but it totally wasn't. It was just for, like, the college mm -hmm. bracket or, you know, whatnot. Right, uh, whatever little side things. Yeah, so she will be the temporary, temporary regular host for a while. Uh, no surprise there, really. I mean, like, I'm really honestly not surprised. Uh, he, he recorded one normal episode before he quit or got fired, so you're going to watch that this week, and then he's going to be gone. Dude, I wish I could watch Jeopardy live, but I just physically can't, so kind of blows. Yeah, I mean, remembering to watch TV at, like, 4.30 is kind of weird. <laughs> having a TV. Oh, yeah, just having cable and stuff, yeah. Yeah, I don't have cable, so I'm like, I want to watch it. I totally would remember. Like, I don't mind scheduling my time to watch Dave or whatever show that comes out week by week that I care to watch, and I would totally love to watch Jeopardy, but I don't have fucking cable, like... 
Put that shit on my fucking Hulu subscription, bitch. I'm sure so. And yes, I can pay for real TV on Hulu. <laughs> I get that they actually did do that, but I'm not paying no fucking eight extra dollars. Just give it to me, dude. I think Peacock has free channels on its free version, and that might include what channel Jeopardy's on. I think I actually get Peacock through my dad, so... Oh, it, it, it might TV. actually have that. Next week, if I've watched Jeopardy, yeah, it's because I'm definitely family sharing my plan and things uh, uh yeah that was our reasons. last i live with my dad uh for those listening uh, one household okay <laughs> yeah. and yeah that'll, that'll do it for news if you want to move on to album releases uh wants well, a strong word uh but we can certainly talk about the four if you will most interesting <laughs> four most interesting albums um so we've got big red machine it's a group that we've talked about numerous times but it's that uh so we've talked about Folklore, that Taylor Swift album, numerous times where she got together with like three big producers and other musicians, um, specifically two of whom, Justin Vernon and Aaron Dessner. Um, Aaron Dessner is in Gaslight Anthem, I believe is the group's name or something like that. Uh, something, no, mate, that's a song by the group. The National is the group, the band. Uh, and they have a song called Gaslight Anthem. But, I believed sorry. you the first time. Aaron Dessner uh, and The National and then uh, Justin Vernon is Bon Iver. Um, gotcha. And so these two have a super group, and it's called The Big Red Machine or Big Red Machine. Uh, they have an album coming out. I think it's the second one they've ever done together under this duo name. Um, probably going to be really critically acclaimed. Uh, I definitely won't listen to it because it's garbage music. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, you're entitled to your opinion, and uh, you don't have to be an idiot to uh, have one. So Thanks for letting us uh, know, though. Yeah, of course. Uh, so then Churches, uh, that synth pop kind of oldie, like late or late 2000s, early 2010s. It's not oldie. It's, I was going to say old-ish, but then it came out oldies. So Yeah, Churches, <laughs> that, classic that oldies that, band. That 60s band that everyone loves, Churches. Has the oldies uh, not no, moved to like the 80s yet? Because like, I know I think, the oldies used to be oldies, 60s. I thought oldies was like a timestamp, not like a relative term. I think I thought it was just a perceived like oldies. Just, those are the oldies. But uh, maybe you know what? Know. I'll get the I'll get the interns on it for uh, next week. Yeah. What was the church's we'll, album? What was that called? We'll put a kid up. Yeah, yeah. I was getting there. Uh, it's called Screen Violence, which I'm not sure if that's some kind of non-subtle allusion to phones and screen time, or if it's like literally like going to talk about violence on the media, like on your TV screen. Both. Uh, who knows? But. It's their fourth album. It's going to be some synth pop if you're into that. Only so, fourth album? Yeah, they don't make a lot of music, actually. I, was gonna say, but... I feel like they've been around for so long that that's kind of a yeah. surprising number. Sorry, excuse me. Next, we have um, Halsey, uh, If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power, with the, uh, I don't know, what would you say? Uh, very avant-garde, very... Uh, <laughs> I don't uh, know. If avant-garde's the word for that. <laughs> Striking, uh, very media gobbly uppy uh, album cover. Um, gonna be interesting, of course, it's Halsey. Yeah. It's gonna be bigger than fucking shit. She's got literally hundreds of billions of plays on fucking... Or not hundreds of billions, hundreds of millions of plays and billions of plays on songs she's on, so it's gonna be gigantic. Uh, it's only her fourth album, and for a pop singer, that's pretty that's, slow also. I don't know. But... That's not as surprising. I feel like Halsey hasn't been on the scene for that. Long. 2011 
I think, was her first album. Uh, well, 10 years, for Okay, I guess that's a little... Okay. I mean, I we just said scarce. Churches was late 2000s, early 2010s. So yeah, like but Churches... Churches has that sound. I don't know. They're allowed to not put out that many It's because Churches is dated, but it looks like Halsey and Churches released their first albums the same year. Well, so. that's actually kind of trippy. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, we're getting distracted here, but yeah, Halsey, if I can't have love, I want power. Uh, and finally, as far as music that anyone will care about that drops this week um one republic yes that band from eons ago that had that one song that everyone hated uh there you are yep it's too late to apologize uh they're on their fifth studio album wowzer uh called human that seems like too many actually (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i only know one i'm pretty sure yeah same i think it's like blue Uh, with like a drawing i don't know i don't know uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's some indie stuff, there's some Christian stuff, there's some country stuff, but... Who cares? Move on. What'd you do this week? Alright, well, as far as music goes, it was really boring. Um, just did not have a lot of time. Uh, so, only pretty much listened to the album for the week, so I'll kind of breeze past that and say, what did I watch this week? Um, so that new season, Modern Love, I finally watched a few episodes of that. There's a really good Kit Harrington episode, um... The first episode was pretty good. I went back and watched some old season episodes because I was like in the mood for those again to introduce other people to the show. Um, pretty good stuff. Quality, quality TV. I'm excited to finish out that season. Um, obviously, I watched a movie for the week, but literally outside of that, nothing. Wow. I watched the one show and I was just busy, busy, busy and too tired to come home and watch you anything. Your shifts are taking a toll on you, man. <laughs> really, truly. All right, well, I'll take over because I, I listened to a lot this week. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm going to speed through it, actually. Uh, I listened to Ravina. She has a new single. It's called uh, Tweety Bird or Tweety. I, I wrote Tweety, but okay, yeah. Uh, some Just some good summer pop. If you like Ravina, I, I think you'll like it. It's a little more upbeat for her because she's usually more of a, like, uh, not R&B, but that type of vocals or that type of singing. But this one's more of an upbeat pop. Uh, then there was a guy I found from Spotify called Teo with the question mark. So is it Teo, you know, like you gotta, you gotta Teo. Uh, he had an album or he had an album that I don't listen to, but he had a song from it called through my hair. Really good hip hop song. Move on a guy named Mac Aries or Arius, Arius, A-R-Y-E-S. He has an album. Aries. Yeah. He has an album called magic eight ball. And it's really good. It's uh, it's one of those albums where like a white guy kind of culture vultures R and B a lot, but like he he does it well, you know. Like, it's actually not bad. He's got a couple James songs. Blake. What? James Blake? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, maybe not exactly like that, but yeah, the same the same realm or the same uh, same sport. But uh, yeah, it's a good album. He has a couple songs that are kind of John Mary. And then you get the same R&B. sport. I'm sorry, I, I'm distracted now. Is that like? Did they do that in the Olympics? They're like, guys, guys, what sport can we steal? <laughs> okay. So what my mind did was, you know, the uh, the same league, but it kind of right. just uh, yeah, sport, sport. Sport. No, well, have, have you seen? I think it's a Dave Chappelle skit, but maybe it's Key and Peele, the Hood Olympics. Have you seen that? I don't think I recall that. No. Oh, it's good. It's funny. I'll leave it there. You can look it up. But uh, you'll have to remind me. But uh, yeah, I would definitely suggest listening to Magic Eight Ball. Then uh, Genesis Awusu put out a project, or I don't know what you call it, an addendum. Uh, he put out a thing called Missing Teeth, 
and it's a deluxe version of Smiling With No Teeth, but it's just got a disc one segment, and it just has songs that weren't on the album, and it's not as good as the album. It kind of made the album a little worse, guy. Uh, there, There is a good song called Same Thing, but all the other new songs, I think there's six or seven new ones, uh, they, they're, not, they're not too hot. I would, I would recommend just listening to the same thing, or, or just listen to the original album. Probably just save you the time. And last music thing, I was bored one day, blah, 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 looked up some new metal bands because I was in that mood, and I found oh. this, yeah, I found this 90s new metal band that's an all girls, and two of the people were 16 and like 15 when the album came out, and they put an album out called Spit. It's hard as fuck, man. Like, this is some awesome new metal and just exactly the sound I is want. Is it Kitty? Yeah, Kitty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the group's called Kitty. They put an album called Spit. It's it's fantastic. I mean, if you like that sort of music, if you don't, you're going to hate it. But uh, it's really good, and it's crazy that a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old are making that type of music and making it that well. And that's all I did for music, you know, that's all. Uh, I watched the last Columbo episode. I finished it. I finished Columbo. RP. The last one was so bad, it hurt me. Like, it hurt me to my core. It's as if they tried to fuse CSI, because it came out in 2003. So I think CSI original Vegas came out in 2000 or 1999. Mm -hmm. So obviously they had um, some similarities, but it literally feels like CSI that just happened to have Columbo inside it. So garbage. It hurts. Just don't watch the revival episodes. Just keep it to the originals. If you're ever curious, Uh, just some other stuff. Last thing I wanted to talk about was the suicide squad. Actually pretty damn good. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, If you want a violent horror, uh, not horror movie, violent superhero movie, it's it's definitely up there. I'd I'd compare it to Deadpool one because there's just a there's a flow within the movie that's uh, easily digestible, easily attainable. You know, it feels like a almost similar to a Soderbergh movie where it feels like the plot's in motion. If that makes sense, you know, there's no. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of fluff. It doesn't feel like there's any filler. It's just like, go, 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 go. Uh, and the way he bounds his characters and pays homage to other characters and does a lot of things. James Gunn has done it again. Uh, I, I wasn't, I was a little skeptic, skeptical after Guardians 2. But uh, I'm back on the James Gunn train. Like, I'm back. And uh, yeah, I, I'd recommend it. I'd definitely recommend it. But And it actually feels like a proper sequel to Suicide Squad, as stupid as that sounds. Really? Yeah. Like, I, it's weird how much it kind of feels like it's in the same series as Suicide Squad. But uh, yeah, that's that's all I did for the week. Uh, I just realized Bachelor in Paradise. I watched, Oh, you gotta uh, catch us up. It's, uh, it's okay. You know, it's Who really won? not that bad. Well, you can't win Bachelor in Paradise. It's different. Uh, what they do is it's a bunch of guys from old seasons and it's a bunch of girls from old seasons and then they all travel together and then they just intermingle and date and then each week uh, one of the groups has like more numbers either guys or the girls and then they get the roses so then you know now they're even again and then they bring in more of the other sex and back and forth until the show ends and people are in love uh, and no relationships ever really come from it. It's never, I mean, it's just for the drama. How do they determine episode order in a show like that? Like, like, what, is there actual events that happen that, you know, make sense for more than one episode? Is that? Well, yeah. So it's like 13 women started, I think, and like 10 guys. And so 
the guys had the roses and basically eliminated three girls. And then they brought in three guys and gave the roses to the girls. And then, you know, each week, new people are being brought on. Okay. So there's not events, it's just people dating. Weird. And then, like, uh, I think every week, like, one person gets a date card. And it's usually a new arrival. And it's basically just, like, a, a formal way of asking someone out to, like, a sanctioned event for the Bachelorette or, ba- or the whatever, Bachelor in Paradise. And then the, it's usually, like, because um, they're, like, they're in Cancun, I think. And so it's, like, oh, we're going to have a picnic on the beach and, like, this romantic dinner. And then we're going to, like, go jet skiing. And it's, like, a whole day of events, just these two. Whereas everyone else is kind of intermingling a little bit. And even if they're forming relationships, then the date card really spices it up because you get to snatch someone's girl just because you think they're hot or whatever. Yeah, it's it's fine. I mean, it's it's just stu- – it's it's like if Jersey Shore didn't have any of the GTL and just had, like, the cattiness. Oh. Mm, it's not as fun. I mean, no, 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 because yeah, that for sure there's no like brand imagery. It's just like, but the but the thing people like is that you've watched The Bachelor and The Bachelorette for years, and so you know all these characters, so they already have their brands. But if you're characters. only watching Bachelor in Paradise, like me, yeah, I'm like I don't really know these people, so it's like I don't when, get the uh, stick. When uh, Survivor was still a TV show, and they did like Survivor reunion and all that, right? Survivor Champions, yes, yeah, right. Champion it's the same. Ring or some shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, move on to the reviews. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, well, I want to say one more oh. thing. Oh, yeah. Is Ted Lasso done? That's just an open-aired question. I, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I still need to watch Dave, so I'm, I'm not keeping it's... up with finished shows. Oh my god! I think uh, it's on like episode six or seven. I think it's got like two or three left. Probably be done anyway, soon. Uh, m- movie or album? Movie. I mean, either one. I feel like I could talk about the movie more for, like, different sure. reasons. Let's do album. Let's do yeah. album. Let's do album. Uh, I'll start. So this is Lord's 2021 new album. Came out this week. Solar Power. Um, I'll start with a little background. I really like Lord, And I don't know that she's ever missed when she was still, like, a high school-aged girl. Well, she putting only had out, one like... album before this, right? No, she had two. She had okay. the one... The I think it's Royal, the one that Royals was on. That's the heroin one. Pure heroin, yes. Yeah. Uh, and that came out in 2013. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and she, again, she was like a young girl, like 16, 17. Um, and that was really great for the time. Um, I don't know that I particularly love it anymore. But then she had Melodrama come out in 2017. See, I missed um, that. That, that one completely. That was huge. That song, uh, Green Light, it was like... I mean, it was everywhere. She was touring around the world again. And she, I think she was still touring that album, like in 2019, 2018. Pretty good. Uh, and then she released this album, obviously, just now. Um, and it feels kind of like a different space for her. This seems like way more traditional pop than she necessarily put out. Like, I feel like she was like cutting the edge, kind of like Billie Eilish. Yep. And now she's kind of just like in that space that she created, which is fine. You know what I mean? But it's very much traditional now. Um, as a result, it's not particularly innovative in my opinion, but there are really good songs on it. So as an album, fine. Songs, some are really good. That's yes, how I, I would I, pretty much sum it up. I, I, I honestly feel like our reviews are a little biased by Happier Than Ever uh, because it's not, it's not like they're exactly the same artist, but, I mean, they are out around the same time. This is kind of like their next big albums that are putting them back on the radar. Like, there's some similarities here, and... That just leads me to kind of critique this album's diversity because there's not not a ton. I mean, 
like like you said, the, the songs are good and everything. It's it's just there's not there's not a lot going on here. Uh, even even if you want to do just purely subject matter or uh, like like we said, just the aesthetic of the actual album, there, there's not a ton of differences in songs. Uh, it, it's definitely easily digestible. I'll definitely say that it's an easygoing album. Uh, it's got that hippie summer pop vibe uh, for for most. The most the entirety of the album, but uh, I, I, which which I like, but it, like you said, it just doesn't do anything crazy, nothing outside the box, nothing where I I was blown away, you know, nothing nothing well, yeah, wowed me. I was thinking about what um, what I was having difficulty latching onto, like what was really not clicking, and I think what happened was the sameness from it was the core roots of Jack Antonoff's influence on it. And Jack Antonoff, someone I've talked about now probably a zillion times, I've probably even mentioned him in the context of this album before, um, but I think he's now has his hands like in everyone's fucking basket that it's starting to make everything sound really similar. Like, there are very core, like, indie, folky sounds all throughout this album that I could directly compare to folklore that I could directly compare to melodrama, which he also helped produce. Like, just I don't I don't know that him being on everyone's shit is good for music as a whole. It's good for people who like his music and don't really want change too much. But he very much has like a maybe not a one track mind, but a, a really heavy directional influence and in where something will go. And as a result, if, you know, he has writing credits and producer credits on all your songs, it's going to go down that direction one way or another. Yeah. Uh, did you, did you have any favorites off this album or anything you hated? Oh yeah. Uh, solar power. I kept in my head for a long time. Like I, I probably listened to it every day. Like I just really, really, really like that song. Um, it's just catchy. It's got a nice hook. Um, that was the first good, song, right? Story, uh, second song. I think second. the first song is the path, um, which kind of, I think actually the path I liked, just because it was a really good intro, like really I love good the intro track. song. Yep. Yeah, and you know, I I really, I really couldn't complain. But I don't know that I love the song, but for like from the album perspective, it was really good. Um, but Solar Power is probably my favorite song. Um, I like Stone at the Nail Salon, okay. But again, these are kind of just the singles, so I'm like, eh. Like maybe I'm just remembering the signals, like they're singles, just because I listened to them, you know, once more than I did the album. Um, that, I that, really that's like... why I don't love Mood Ring, just because it was a single beforehand. Yeah. Um, I was just say the oceanic feeling, the outro, the yep. last song. But outside of that, the middle, it wasn't boring. It didn't like all run together, but I wasn't impressed. No. It wasn't really keeping me latched on. I wasn't like, oh, this song, like, oh, wow, wow, wow. I was just like, okay. I w- you know, I, w- I, would, I would kind of shrug my shoulders off. I will give credit to, since we since we said we both like the intro song and the last song, I will give credit to its engineering or, you know, the order she put it in and that direction because – you can definitely tell, you know, where the peaks of this album are and when you're ending. You know, the last two tracks, you're like, okay, this album's calming down. And it's a it's a very natural flow, which is, I think, makes it easier to enjoy or easier to at least listen to. Uh, so th- there's always, like, that's always a positive. Uh, I-, I liked Fallen Fruit, uh, Man with the Axe, and Leader of the New Regime. I, I-, I felt like those were uh, a little deeper than the other songs because... A lot of the songs felt kind of surface level. So yeah, uh, the the two songs that you mentioned, the man uh, with the axe and leader of a new regime, are the only, or are two of the three songs on the album 
um, but not because uh, you named three songs, but only two of them were of the three that she had sole writing credits on. Okay. The other one was Oceanic Feeling. Uh, and so you can really see that Jack Antonoff likes to play on core themes, ideas, and sounds. And so he has producer credits on all the songs. But on writing, the two that you thought were the most unique are two that she had sole writing credits. And of course, weird offers a unique perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. crazy. I, I, that's weird. I don't know. I don't think that math checks out, though. I, I don't know. <laughs> now, um, there is a deluxe edition, which I don't know is on Spotify. I was going to say, does um, it extra know, tracks? I was going to say, I don't know when it comes out, but supposedly there's two uh, extra tracks on it. Damn. So missed out. TBD. TBD. Um, and they have interesting names, and one of them has um, Malay as a producer credit. Um, but uh, it's one's Helen of Troy, one's Hold No Grudge. And obviously we haven't heard those, but maybe a separate review on those another day whenever we get those released. But either yeah, way, uh, um, want... I was going to say, uh, are you ready to give it a score? Yeah, you want to give it a say. score? Yep, exactly. You go for it. You go for it. I wanted to just give it like a, just a solid seven. I, I think yep. that was just, just. I was right on. at a seven. I could have been argued either down to a six, five up to a seven, five, depending on the argument. So I'm, I'm happy with the seven. I think it's fair. She doesn't really innovate too much, but she doesn't do it injustice. Like it's a totally nope. fine album. Totally fine. Um, I think if this was billed like in May or June, you know, if it had been pushed up a little bit for that big summer release, I would have been more disappointed. I oh, think no. a late, because well, you know what I mean? Like, you expect kind of a a real summery album that's going to be released, like, right at the beginning of summer. It needs some, like, big pop, catchy hits, and this isn't that. True. This is more slate summer, easing into fall, a little bit more breezy, a little bit more casual listening, a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, for this, sure. could get, this could get stuck in your head, but it's not, you know, oh, I want to jam to this all night and, like, party kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, in a convertible, you're driving down the right, Yeah, exactly. top down, yeah. yeah, exactly. No, no, no. no. I, I totally so, get you. So I, I'm fair. This is seven. It had a, all the things that I would judge from an album perspective. Perfect. Perfect seven. Totally fine. Yep. Uh, move on to the movie. Well, so this is a Reminiscence 2021 uh, movie. Uh, the director, I believe, is Lisa Joy. Which directed, mentioned written, before. and produced by Lisa Joy. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry about what's about to happen to her career because, my God, if this wasn't arguably top five worst movies we've watched on this yeah top five uh, it might be number five but it's top five for sure <laughs> yeah or we should call it bottom five really it's bottom five bottom uh five. because i mean there's so much i could say I'll, I'll i'll try to pick just the big topics and not really deep, dive deep until you want to dive deep but from the acting the uh character voices the general plot just the ambiguity of certain narratives that they would bring up for no reason that had significance and then the, the little insignificant things that they're like, you see, she did drop her earrings for a reason. I'm like, no shit, she dropped her earrings for a reason. No one's earrings just fucking fall out. She has backed <laughs> earrings. They're really expensive. What are you talking about? For, and to linger on for like two and a half hours and have this, I mean, you said it best, and maybe you'll repeat it now, so I don't want to steal your thunder, but the whole noir comment of like, oh, I watched a noir movie, let me write one. And sci-fi, I was like, kill me, bro. It, it, like, it literally, it's it, so painful. I, I know this isn't true. I know for a fact it's not true, but it's literally like Lisa Joy just discovered noir movies and she's like ah let's make a sci-fi one with Hugh Jackman and it's not going to do anything like good at or all. revolutionary it's uh, just not going to do anything this movie this movie could have been 45 minutes and it would have done nothing so yeah, i, I want to start out by saying i really really enjoy the world building it did but that does not make a good movie it doesn't make the movie like enjoyable it may be 
it made it worse in my opinion. Yeah, because, because it was everything such around a unique it. world, but the plot and the main drivers of action were fucking dumb. Yep. The characters were just dumb, the motivations were dumb, the behavior was dumb, and I'm like, why am I watching this? Why do I care about Hugh Jackman's love for this random bitch? Like, I never understood his infatuation with her. I don't nope. understand how he fell in love. No idea. They what? That's they the core for three point. months. Yeah, that's the core point. And he, she wasn't even she wasn't even made out to be that mysterious or intriguing. She was just hot. Yeah, I mean, it, that's, she that's didn't become intriguing until he investigated her for like five years. You know, I, I honestly, yeah, I mean, like I was saying, everything around it is so much cooler than what we actually get. Like when he talks about being on the border, I'm like, oh wow, that sounds like a really cool theme and a really cool story. But then, oh, we're stuck with this detective story. I don't know if you call it a detective the, story. It the seems... climate apocalypse, the rich people fucking floodgating out the rich areas, like. The cool, like, underground drug, Baca ring situation. Like, those things are cool. I'll also say that if you've ever seen the 2006-2007 neo-noir retelling of Max Payne, the video game, uh, starring Mark Wahlberg, it is this movie. But, like, at least that was kind of cool with its action sequences, whereas this didn't do that. Even with its action sequences, which were... Very few and far between, which is, that's totally fine for a noir movie. I'm not going to complain, but when they are just so lackluster and they don't feel like they were choreographed well, like the actual fighting felt like stage fighting rather than, you know, actors. Daniel, you know, actually Daniel Wu and uh, Cliff Curtis, some of the worst performances of their entire career uh, in terms of the physical acting, the action sequences, and the accents. Those Louisiana accents made me want to shoot someone in the fucking head. They were something Just else. painful. And and I I really like Tandaway Newton. I think that's what her moniker is now, or her name is, is mm-hmm. now. Uh I I really like her, but her character and her plot, like her place in the plot Cringe. is so contrived and just I it really solidifies my argument that some things would be better animated. Or just better as an anime. Because this movie is exactly that. Like, if this was a 10-episode anime, it'd be awesome. But instead, it's this two-hour slog of just a ride, I guess, through this weird detective or this weird mystery that's not really a mystery. And then by the time you solve the quote-unquote mystery, it doesn't really give you the answers you wanted or, like, satisfying answers. Uh, it, it ties it up all right, but it, it's just it's weird how it does it. It's it's as if it wanted to say something. It wanted to be deeper. It wanted to give you a different perspective on things, and it did none of that. Uh, like the heavy on the metaphors, and I don't know heavy like heavy on the world building, which felt a little out of place for a noir movie because it fe- or it felt like it was just focusing on things that weren't the actual mystery and the actual plot. Like as I mean, as cool as they were, like I said, it doesn't do anything for the enjoyment of the actual movie. Um, I thought the pacing in the first hour was painful, absolutely painful. I thought they had some cool screen transitions with the whole memory bank thing. That that stuff's cool. I'm not gonna argue that you know the special effects or not were cool, but uh, it felt pointless almost. It felt like this whole reminiscence thing was not really that useful, other than the one time he watched his own memory. 
I feel like that that was the only time where it, it felt like that was kind of an innovation in the plot uh, or doing something a little different than just a classic detective that happens to have a memory machine. And then then I want to talk about the score, dude. Oh like, wait, I want to pause. I want to pause before yeah, you get go there. for it. Uh, I, want, I want to go back. Um, I could rant, so go for it. To uh, Hugh Jackman's partner's uh, character, um, she reminds me that character and her performance of it. Do you remember? Any details about the movie Pineapple Express? Yeah. Do you remember the woman dirty cop? Yeah, yeah. I thought I I thought that's what you're about to say. So yeah. Yes, that's like the same like over the top tropey black woman cop weird like it just gives me the wrong vibe. I was like, what is this like? It just felt forced and really cringy. I was like, really, this not. It felt weird. It just felt weird to watch. This movie is full of tropes, but, like, not tropes that belong inside this movie. Uh, I will continue on to the score, because the score was really weird. Because I think, I mean, maybe not 100%, but I think the majority of movies we've reviewed, I have said the score is good, or the score is serviceable. This movie is not the case. I kept noticing it. Like, there, there'd be a scene, and I would notice the score, and that's not how a score should work. Uh, a score should emphasize a feeling of a scene, or you shouldn't even notice it's happening. That's that's literally how it works. But this movie, I kept noticing the background. It felt dated. And maybe that's the camera work plus the score, but this movie really felt like it came out 15 years didn't ago. It, didn't it do, like, a random, really loud soundtrack for, like, one, maybe three seconds? I meant to, I meant to write it down. There was this part of the, uh, I mean, it did happen. I just don't remember exactly what song or what the thing was. I just remember it being so glaringly weird. But it was like the volume mixing was off. And all of a sudden the audio for the music got really, really loud in between dialogue. Like really loud, like shockingly loud. Like I thought it was going to be a big action sequence with like the music over it. And then it just cut out and someone started talking it. And I was like, huh? <laughs> like why did sure. we just do that? Maybe that yeah, was, it was uh, maybe halfway head- through, but. Did you watch it on TV or headphones? Or, you know what I'm saying. Well, I don't yeah. know. Maybe their mixing was a little off or something. Uh, I'm not. I'm not too sure how audio engineering works exactly like that, or uh, how they record that stuff. Magic. But uh, yeah, magic exactly. Uh, I will. I don't know, man. Uh, like I said, it feels dated. Feels like this movie could have came out 15 years ago, and it'd probably be pretty good. Sure. But since it didn't, it's really not. And for the first okay. time, ever, uh, oh yep. Yeah. Hugh Jackman about you know budgeting and how things look, etc. Um. Hugh Jackman's chasing, I believe it's uh, what's his name, Cliff Curtis. Uh, out the that's it. I don't remember anyone's name. Uh, Saint Joe. I remember Saint Joe, and that's it. That was the Louisiana. And that was man. Daniel Wu. Yeah, that was Daniel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So Hugh Jackman's chasing, chasing Cliff Curtis, and they like jump out of a balcony, like from one roof onto another. Yep. Did you see the CG, bro? Oh no, the I was. CG- the CG hurt my eyes. You were like, you'd watch him jump, and literally everything, including where he was jumping onto, all green screen. Like the most obvious, blatant, zero effort green screen. See, it was so bad. It was like a Zoom call, like Hawaii in your background green screen. I had a problem with that scene for another reason. This is just uh, story logic or plot logic. Look, looking down as opposed to. No, when no, when he jumps off. Why does he not go in the six feet of water that's right below him, but instead he jumps on the guardrails, metal guardrails? I mean, 
I'm not too sure about logistics and your percentage of surviving, but I'm going to jump in the water before I, yeah, before I literally jump with no grasp or nowhere to put my hands onto a guardrail that's literally like three feet above the water, which I could have just climbed up. But uh, yeah, I mean, that that's just like plot logic, which I really don't like complaining about in movies, but it still, like, it's I mean, noticeable. I think, I think my point's relevant for plot logic as well. When there's like the clothespin laundry trip being hung up and he's like pulling it to the side yep. to look yeah to the side to look all you have to do is get on your knees and shoot his legs <laughs> yeah look under the clothes that are only hanging for like two feet like a swat room. i don't know where he went i don't know where he went i'm not that tall and you're like but you can be short this you felt, can't make yourself taller <laughs> this felt like if other dramas are premium tv this was network tv you know, I, I feel like yep. this is how my mind perceived this. It's as if this was a TV movie. Uh, well, it, it made TV movie money because it cost $68 million without advertising and marketing, and it made a whopping $2 million. Yikers. I, you know, I don't know if that's HBO Max's uh, fault. or Zero percent chance it's HBO Max's fault. Zero yeah. percent chance. Could have just been a bad movie and nobody wanted to go see it. I'm not too 100% sure. Chance. I'm not too sure why Hugh Jackman was in this movie. He was fine, but money. Yeah, I, I right. I, that yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the I answer. Bet the initial, you, but... I bet the initial screenplay was probably much better than the end product. I bet what I she ended up getting was probably like four hours of footage that probably could have made a decent movie, and they had to make her come down to two and a half. I bet she wanted some fucking real greedy, like, intermission moment, like two two-hour movies, basically. You I, know, I like don't doubt it. Like, like two long, you know, like, good quality HBO-level TV show miniseries thing. And instead, she got a two-and-a-half-hour garbage movie. It, it, and then probably yep. with reshoots and green screens and little things, because they're like, you know, you're way over budget for your first movie, bitch. Like, well, I heard a lot of the budget went into the memory machine, the reminiscence. Uh, apparently, that projector is like not a hundred percent fake; like it's actually projecting some sort of image. And that's so, kind of cool. Yeah, which is really cool. But at the same time, was it worth it in the end? I, I don't know. Obviously not. Obviously not. I, I mean, I I think I got through everything. I compared it to Max Payne. Um, I don't know. The time jump was cool. I thought their allegory to Orpheus was like the only good writing within this movie. And it didn't happen till the very end. So that, that, that told me all I really needed to know about the movie. Um I will say, I know I complained about the first hour. I think the second hour gets like a hair better, <laughs> but it's it's not it's not good. But it's like it's more watchable than the first about hour of exposition and over explaining everything. Uh, the voiceovers, you know, man. We didn't even talk about the voiceovers. <laughs> it's <laughs> cool to do right a now. time. It's cool to do a travel through time. You know, discussion of someone's past and present, like. And a voiceover to do that, you know, to have a narrator who's conscious and we can get his inner thoughts about what happened. But when you're explaining what we're seeing with words, it feels like I'm an idiot and I'm not. So <laughs> I would wish you wouldn't. Like, you might as well have not had the scene at all, just had a black fucking like ambient noise or like, you know, like sometimes they do those like weird tracking intro shots through a bunch of CG of like, weird ethereal bubbles, like you're looking through a lava lamp kind of thing, or you're traveling through outer space. Like, just do that in a verse, and I'll be okay, but 
don't show me real scenes with real dialogue and you just talk over them and annotate what's happening. Like, I'm not blind. I don't need the audio descriptions turned on for me. So I don't know why you need to pay Hugh Jackman to do voiceover work for a live action film. It just didn't make any sense. You know, now that you say that, I really think a black screen at the beginning and him talking over it would be way more effective than what we got. Like, 100% now that you say that, I'm convinced. Because, like, imagine it would be like you're in the reminiscence machine, right? Yeah, and then he throws you out of it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, would have been cool. Okay, you want to give it a score now that we're suggesting what could have been better? Or, you know... I think this could be one to two range candidate. I don't know that I know how to differentiate between a one and a two just you know, yet, but I'm I'm willing to give it a shot for this one. I really don't want to be that brutal. I was going to say three. You know, I I, I one and two is uh, like I said about the nine to ten scale. One and two is for the special breed of bad movie. These are uh, bottom five of all time for us. Bottom five of movies we've watched on this show. I said yeah, for us. Sure. I said for us. Well, you said all time. I think that's really the confusing factor. Um, all time of this show. I don't know. I mean, a two out of ten or a two five. Like, I don't know. It just it wasn't good. It was a bad movie. I would never recommend this to anybody ever. Um, uh, other than the fact that it's like, hey, have you seen Max Payne movie? It's hilarious how much this is like that. You know, then you can watch it. But uh, <laughs> no, this is pretty trash yeah i'm 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 happy with the two if we go for a two yeah two out of ten we're we're on a roll with some good picks the past couple of weeks aren't we hey we do 50 50 we get a good album or a decent album when we get a trash movie or you know a decent movie well hopefully we break that little track record with next week's picks which are going to be the new Candyman reboot and Halsey's new album, If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. That is episode 43 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pina. We'll see you next week. We're out of here.